This is Stephanie Hoover welcoming you to another episode of Stephanie Hoover Has That Story. Today I'm kicking off my six-part series on Halloween-related topics. Over the next six weeks, I'll be talking about bloody murder, strange phenomena, and folklore like vampires and werewolves. Today we begin in the village of Mechanic Grove. It sits in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, about 10 miles north of the Mason-Dixon line. If you were to fly over, you'd see that the landscape hasn't changed that much since the 1930s. It's still an earthen quilt of green and brown farmland. Modern residents and visitors enjoy the nearby state parks, camping resort, and golf course. Eighty years ago, though, the Mennonite Church was the principal social and recreational hub. Like the church, the community went about its work with serious, quiet intent. But this steady way of life would be rocked in 1935 when police arrived at the rundown farmhouse owned by the suspiciously private Dr. Harry C. Zimmerly. Neighbors had long gossiped about the doctor. Some believed the home was haunted and that ghosts produced the strange lights and awful sounds coming from the secluded dwelling. They were staggered to learn the truth and it would change the village of Mechanic Grove for years to come. Whether it's history, crime, or legend, Stephanie Hoover has that story. Zimmerly, at age 67, had fat, loose jowls and a bulbous nose seated squarely between his dark eyes and prominent brows. He hid his unkempt gray hair under a fedora. Originally from Pittsburgh, the doctor moved to Mechanic Grove around 1919. No one knew why he'd left the city for a rural farm community four hours to the east. It was clear, though, that he had no interest in meeting his neighbors. Shortly after taking possession of the farm, he built a fence tall enough to block the view from the second-story windows of nearby homes. The rumors began almost immediately after Zimmerly took residence. Neighbors swore they heard screams and groans in the middle of the night. Others saw lights float past windows at odd early morning hours. Was Zimmerly practicing witchcraft or conjuring spirits of the dead, some wondered? What else could explain such aberrant behavior? Zimmerly might have continued his peculiar private activities indefinitely had it not been for Gloria Lawson. When she went missing in March 1935, her family vowed to find her. Those closest to Gloria knew why she went to see Dr. Zimmerly. A Calvert County, Maryland native, the mother of two was pregnant again. For reasons never publicly revealed, Lawson simply could not contemplate a third child. So, she paid Zimmerly $4 for an illegal abortion. As they still are today, so-called back-alley abortions were, in the 30s, a significant cause of maternal mortality. Clinics a repugnant euphemism for any space where a cot and lighting could be erected, were unsanitary, to say the least. The medical practitioners were usually substandard and greedy. 
Zimmerly was a poster boy for such medical malpractice. His instruments were literally covered with rust and his hospital beds were bloodstained. Not getting an infection after one of Zimmerly's procedures was a miracle. Into this hellhole stepped Mrs. Lawson. She expected to be home within several days, but when she didn't return, her family went to Zimmerly's farmhouse demanding to see her. Zimmerly told the family that Lawson had indeed arrived, but changed her mind about terminating the pregnancy. He drove her back to the train station himself, he said. The family waited several more agonizing days, but Gloria did not come home. They then did what must have been incredibly difficult eight decades ago. They went to the Lancaster County Sheriff's Department to tell the story and to ask that the Zimmerly farm be searched. No one was prepared for what was found. The horror started in the driveway. It was paved with ash, throughout which small pieces of bone were scattered. Inside the home, officers found blood-stained floors and a recently used and still unwashed butcher knife. Strands of blonde hair, which fit Mrs. Lawson's description, were found wrapped around wires in a bed frame. The whole scene looked very much like a slaughterhouse. And just when it seemed things couldn't get more vile, they discovered 17-year-old Elsie Miller, another of Zimmerly's patients, still alive, but just barely. Zimmerly refused to speak to authorities. His hired help, on the other hand, decided that self-preservation was the better part of valor. 22-year-old housekeeper Blanche Stone was the first to speak up. She said Zimmerly confessed to her that Lawson was gone. She died somewhere between daybreak and 8 a.m. on March 16th. Richard Parker was, as the neighbors called him, Zimmerly's hired man. He was also a narcotics addict. Feeding this habit was apparently how Zimmerly maintained Parker's loyalty. But even Parker knew when the jig was up. He told investigators that Zimmerly had asked him to sharpen the butcher knife shortly after Lawson's arrival. Parker described watching Zimmerly leaning over her lifeless body, hacking it into pieces. This story was corroborated by a pathologist who testified that Zimmerly dismembered the body into chunks small enough to fit into his furnace. Once burned, the ashes were dumped into various piles throughout the surrounding grounds. He never even bothered to sift out the identifiable bits of human remains. As investigators expanded their search into the woods surrounding Zimmerly's farmhouse, they found bone fragments of what they believed to be several additional women. In the pre-DNA era, however, these suspicions were never proven. One question was answered. State police detectives learned the real reason Zimmerly had left Pittsburgh. In 1919, the same year he'd moved to Lancaster County, the doctor was convicted in Allegheny County Court of performing illegal operations, another term for abortions. For Zimmerly, the move to southeastern Pennsylvania was a new start for his old and bloody business. On June 14, 1935, Zimmerly was found guilty not of murder, but rather of performing an illegal operation that cost a woman's life. The maximum penalty for this charge was seven years. 
Sentencing was deferred until the conclusion of his trial for illegally operating on Elsie Miller. In total, Zimmerly received a sentence of seven and a half years in the notorious Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia. As fate would have it, he died of a cerebral hemorrhage six months shy of his release date. Each year, the Keystone State hosts the Pennsylvania Farm Show, the largest indoor agricultural exposition in the nation. During the 1936 event, attendees could peruse a highly unusual exhibit, a booth displaying relics of famous Pennsylvania crimes. Included among these macabre artifacts were the bones and clothing of Gloria Lawson. It seems that decades before the likes of In Cold Blood and Making a Murderer, the true crimes of a fiend like Dr. Harry C. Zimmerly already attracted a large and enthusiastic audience. Well, that's my story about the Zimmerly House of Horrors in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. It's an uncomfortable tale, but it's part of a history we cannot change. Next week, I'll be telling you the story of the ghost ship Eliza Battle, an elegant steamship that took one horrific final voyage on Alabama's Tom Bigby River in 1858. There are some who swear the doomed passengers still relive this nightmarish journey. After hearing the facts, I'll let you decide for yourself. As you know if you've been listening from the beginning, my show is not sponsor-supported. I don't run intrusive ads or contests. I just tell the story. If you'd like to support the podcast, please hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your preferred platform might be. And visit my website, stephaniehoover.com, to check out my books. Perhaps one of them might be of interest to you as well. By purchasing one through my site, I earn a small commission at no extra cost to you. Thank you for listening, and until next week, be well, be happy, and be kind.